Welcome to Check Yourself, a collaborative podcast brought to you by the Community Health Education Center at Salem Health Hospital, and a podcast aimed at helping you live your best life. In today's episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Michael Finley. Michael is deeply passionate about helping fathers to be the best possible parents they can. His vehicle for turning his passion into tangible service is education and facilitation. His aim is to provide a space for dads to share their experiences and provide support and accountability for each other. He teaches classes like Boot Camp for New Dads, a workshop aimed at providing tools for dads who want to provide support for their partners during pregnancy and after birth. He also does private coaching with dads who need a bit more one-on-one guidance. Basically, Michael is a great dad, an insightful teacher, and a compassionate person who just wants to help other dads. And as Father's Day approaches, it seemed like speaking with Michael would be a perfect way to celebrate all things fatherhood. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Michael Finley. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> uh, so as I, what I love to do is start with the person to begin with, rather than just launch right into being peppered with questions. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you introduce yourself? Sure, I'll sure. About you. Um, so uh, my name is Michael Finley, and I am a dad and a I, I work for Smart Reading uh, as my day job. Um, I have two kids, uh, ages seven and four. And my passion is fatherhood and talking about fatherhood and parenting with other dads and parents um, because I always get something that I can um, take to help me be a better dad to my kids. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have just discovered and just felt this calling like talking with other dads and helping other dads be engaged and um, really fully present with their families is just something that really fills me up. And so um, I'm born and raised in Oregon, have barely been out of the state, um, mm-hmm. living in Portland currently, but still very involved in the Salem, uh, Marion and Polk County areas. In fact, a lot of my classes and things I do are in that area. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, happy to be here. Fabulous. So how did you get started? I know you said it's your passion. Yeah. Where did where was the seed of this? Well, it, it definitely wasn't my childhood dream. Okay. Uh, I was. Okay. I think the first thing I wanted to be was a fireman, um, and then after I discovered the danger of being a fireman, I did not <laughs> want to do that anymore. Uh, res- really respect what they do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I played sports my whole life and wanted to be a coach and teacher. I thought. Um, and really after stopping playing baseball, which I did in college, uh, after my sophomore year, I was done, um, really had trouble, like I had things that I enjoyed, um, went off the wanting to be a teacher and coach path and really just kind of found some things. I ended up as a volunteer manager at the Gilbert House Children's Museum. I did that for almost three years and then am now almost celebrating eight years with smart reading. And... Mm -hmm. Um, through my work with Smart Reading, helping kids learn to read and, and um, find the joy of reading, um, I've discovered this passion working with the local Marin and Polk Early Learning Hub for um, fatherhood and for parenting. And when my son was um, on being born uh, or on the way, I was really like, okay, I want to be a good dad. I want to be present. I was looking for um, resources and, and books and things and finding there's so much stuff for moms and not a lot for dads. Um, but I actually read this, the first book that I really loved and still my favorite fatherhood book is uh, Bad Dads of the Bible, which is just a great title. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> talking about these um, pillars of the Christian faith, that these biblical characters that everybody looks up to, like how they failed as a father uh-huh. and encouragement on how we as dads can avoid that same failure. And it's really perfectly described as like, oh, this is great. And I, I, you know, I wish there was dad's groups or things at my church and things that I could get into. And I felt this calling and God saying like, 
you do it. I was like, no, 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 that's not me. Uh-huh. Uh, and the author describes like he had a, a Moses moment where he was called to do something and he didn't want to do it. And I felt that exact same thing. I was like, no, not me. And then so finally I gave in and, nope. <laughs> and stopped saying no. And I started a father's group at my church. Uh-huh. And then not long after that, uh, I got an opportunity from the local Marion Polk Early Learning Hub to get trained as a um, parent facili- parent, uh, parent coach, parent facilitator for uh, boot camp for new dads, which uh-huh. was the first uh, parenting education curriculum I got trained in. Um, by this point, I'd actually also started my blog. This uh-huh. is Fatherhood Blog, which is all about my journey through fatherhood, my kids, um, the fact that I'm just a big kid, you'll find lots of Lego, <laughs> Pokemon related posts and all sorts of fun things on there as well as uh, kind of some more serious topics like parenting and, and dealing with mental health issues and, and all of that. Um, so I, I had started this blog and I got the invite to do boot camp for new dads um, and it was actually at the Salem Hospital with the, with the check. and. I loved it. I uh-huh. absolutely loved it and loved just the idea of sharing my experiences and my stories with other dads, hearing their experiences and stories. And the thing that I loved most was for a lot of dads and men coming in, they kind of have to put on that macho, like, I'm not going to let my guard down. I'm going to be tough and strong. Type of front. And by the end of this class, without fail, uh-huh. every one of them is leaning in and like, Oh, man, I'm so glad I did this. I learned so much. Because uh, a lot of them come in, a lot of men and, and guys in general just haven't had a lot of experience working with or being around young kids, whereas the opposite is the, is true for, for women. Yeah. And so a lot of guys come into this. I, I always like to jokingly say they don't want to break the baby. <laughs> they just want to figure out how not to break the baby. And um, these these dads leave after feeling a lot more confident. You can see the relief in their faces. And it's because what we do is we have veteran dads with their babies come into the class or as we're doing it virtually now, like have their baby with them on Zoom. And they can see like, oh, he's got this. He's doing it all by himself. Mom's not here. He Uh can do this. And we are having these veteran dads come back because they were rookie dads before. So they were in the same spot as these guys signing up for the class. Oh, nice. Um, and so I, that, for me, was between my father's group and my church and that curriculum is where I really got excited and discovered, like, this just fills me up like nothing else does. I mm-hmm. love it so much. I have this passion. I can be having a really rough day. And as soon as I do this class and have start talking with these parents, it's like, everything's gone it's just focus on that and it's a lot of fun yeah and I always try to approach it that I'm not an expert I just happen to be trained in this so I want to hear your ideas hear your thoughts because without fail there's always something I can take to help me be a better dad to my kids yeah uh, which is what it's all about it's one of the things I have to keep reminding myself it's great to be a great uh, parent educator and, and look at all these classes and try to grow my business which is what I'm trying to do but all of it doesn't matter if I'm also not being a good dad to my kids yep. as well. It yeah, just... it starts with you. Yeah. And then it's, you're basically, it's sort of this progression I'm seeing of like you getting really clear about what excites you and lights yeah. you up and your journey. Yeah. And then communicating that to your, like finding and communicating that to your tribe. Yeah. Of, I think there's probably other people out there like me having <laughs> these same challenges. Yeah. I sure wish somebody would lead them. Right. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> Right. Nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the one thing I was pleasantly surprised in, as I continued to research, there are a decent amount of dad groups and organizations out mm-hmm. there. There just wasn't a lot of specifics in my area. And then by the time like, I started finding more, I was like, well, I'm already in it. This is my passion now, so I'm going to keep going. But <laughs> I've been pleasantly surprised that there's more uh, out there than I thought. There's, there's a lot of great dads and organizations doing things. And I'm just hoping to also be... Um, one of those one of those guys that guys just feel comfortable with and, and come and know like we're just gonna have fun talking about kids and, and parenthood and all sorts of things it can be like I I don't always have to focus on oh, we have to get through our agenda which is kind of funny because I'm a very logical like I have to check off the bullet points type of <laughs> you like your boxes and yeah, you want them ticked I off do. I nice. do, <laughs> but when but when doing these uh, these classes and, and these groups it's just fun to 
share the stories and listen and hear guys really feel comfortable opening up. That's, I think, just seeing um, guys get emotional about their kids or seeing the passion. Like a dad at one of my classes recently, I could just see like everything he was doing was he was doing it for his boys. And I could just see that in him and just feel that emotion. And I could, that, that's the type of thing, the passion that drives me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm a dad mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, maybe I'm curious or I'm interested, but I'm sitting there going, what is this boot camp for new dads? Yeah. Like, I don't, what, what am I getting when I'm, when I walk through the door? Sure, sure. So boot camp is specifically aimed at expecting dads. Okay. Um, so dads who either their baby's on the way or maybe they're a couple months in and realizing like, Oh man, I've got to learn some more. (laughs) Um, It's also great for dads that um, may have older children and are just like, we have another baby on the way and it's been so long since I've done this, I need a refresher. Uh Um, It's also great for blended families. Like uh, they may have some older kids uh, from a previous relationship, um, but they, this is their first newborn. Uh Um, So it's really great at giving that birth and just a little bit beyond experience and helping dads prepare for their role as taking care of their partner, making sure um, that they're not getting pushed out by their partner. Like they Mm -hmm. need to be fully engaged and not miss those really great bonding moments. Um, And and it really is, it's it's not specifically said, but it's guys only. Uh (laughs) Women can and have done it and can do a great job, Um, but really it's it's a group of guys coming together because often men won't feel comfortable asking some of the other questions that they like to ask uh-huh. about pregnancy and birth and all of that um, if, if there's a woman present. And so it, it really is that this is a safe space for you to have, like, there's no question that's done. Mm-hmm. Come with those questions like, yeah, I, I understand you don't want to break the baby. That would be bad. So let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and I, I always like to say it's the veteran dads that are the stars of the show. Them and their little ones are their answer. Oh, yeah, this is what worked for me. Or um, I thought that sleep was going to be terrible, but actually it worked out this way. Or, yeah, the sleep is as bad as everybody says it is. Um, <laughs> and I always like to, to point out when um, our little ones that join the call or in person um, are acting like real babies. Because sometimes they just come in and sleep the whole time. I'm like, this is not a good example of what it's actually going to yeah, be Yeah, like. no kidding. So like, I yeah, like when the dads have to change a diaper or they have to um, kind of get up and do the, the parent sway, um, which I always say, especially, is like, have, have you ever just like, you're, you're not holding your child, but you're just standing somewhere and all of a sudden you start swaying and you don't know why. Well, that's, that's like the dad sway. You're just, you're just so used to rocking the baby to sleep that even when you don't have to, you're still rocking. <laughs> I'm great. finally out of that phase now, now that they're seven and four, but I had that for quite a while. So. <laughs> it's just so drilled in. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh, there's, there's a pause. Yeah. Just keep swaying. <laughs> you just, you spend so much time trying to get that little one to sleep that it's just, it's just a natural uh, occurrence after that. It totally makes sense. And so do you predominantly work with dads with that have infants, or are there other groups for, you know, like, because every stage of any human being's development yeah. is its own journey. So I'm just curious. Are there so other programs? There are. And I have um, started to get into more. I, I've actually been trained in, I think, four or five different parent education classes. There's a lot of great ones out there. A lot of them tend to be longer and series of workshops. One of the things I love about boot camp is it's one night, three hours. But like you said, it's only focused on that really short period. It's an important period that pregnancy up to birth, but then once they're born, okay, now what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and after we, you know, we cover a couple of stages, but so one of the things I did is, um, with some encouragement from local uh, early learning hubs, I created my own workshop uh, mm-hmm. for dads called uh, Becoming a Super Dad, which eventually I hope to offer for all different age groups. Right now it's kind of a general all ages, um, but it's focused on four key steps that I think really help a dad be fully engaged and present in their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is aimed at dads, like I said, 
of any age that want to have a good relationship with their kids, um, whether that's full cust full cust custodial parents, mm -hmm. um, or parents, you know, um, with split custody, or parents looking to get back into their kids' lives, yeah. um, because there's there's been um, issues or things that have happened, circumstances that um, are really difficult. Um, in fact, a decent amount of the the dads that come to the workshops are looking for that, but my feeling is always that parenting workshops and parenting education classes aren't for quote-unquote bad parents. It's right. for, if you come to a parenting class, you're there because, you know what, I care about my kid, mm -hmm. and I really want to make sure that I'm doing the best for them, and mm -hmm. I want to talk with somebody about that. That's how I view it, and that's, I, I view myself as a good dad, and I, I feel like I still need lots of support and help um, even while I'm giving advice and trying to work with others um, because it's our job and there's yeah. there's uh, so much that happens at each different stage and the way that I can do a better job is connecting with other dads, other parents who are feeling those same feelings, dealing with those same struggles and they'll have ideas that can, oh yeah, that might work for me or remind me like I'm saying this I should actually do it as well yes <laughs> I'm telling others like this is this is what's worked for me this is what's I think is really good for kids like oh yeah you should probably do more of that with your kids too uh-huh so. well and I think there's it's getting better I think but there's so much uh I don't know it's extreme ends of what people talk about when they talk about parenting yeah and I think in terms of advertising in particular it's you know if you're unhappy with your child there's something wrong. Like you just always should be bringing you bliss and giggles. Just always be happy. Yeah. And parenting is the hardest thing any human being can take as you know to try and endeavor to, to be a good parent. Is I, I I can't think of anything that would be more challenging. Yeah, and that's <laughs> one of the things I try to normalize. And I actually have a really good um, example to share. Um, my son, when he was born, he was my first. Um, he was. A week and a half late and mm -hmm. my wife will tell you I was very annoying <laughs> at that last I was like I just want him to be here I just want to be a dad I was really excited I my brother was born when I was eight years old so I grew mm -hmm. up with a little baby to kind of help take care of and I volunteered in the, the church daycare because I just loved kids loved being around kids mm -hmm. um, worked at the Children's Museum like I said for a few years and so I was always seeing cute kids I was like I want to be a dad uh -huh. I was so excited and ready and my son's a week and a half late and we have to induce because the amniotic fluid was low um, and my wife who was incredible throughout the process. Like, uh, I, I think a lot of dads can uh, relate to this, but you just gain so much respect and um, love for your partner seeing them go through the birth process. It's just mm -hmm. so intense, so crazy. They are warriors. <laughs> they really <laughs> are amazing. And uh, my wife went through a really long birth process, did a fantastic job. and. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, um, it wasn't going to work. The way everything about our birth plan was not going as we wanted. To. Everything we didn't want to do, we ended up having to do. Uh -huh. And oh. um, at, at the end, we had to opt for a, a different delivery method. And when my son first came out and was, I was like, I'm supposed to feel this like love at first sight. Everybody explains like the first thing you see, uh -huh. and I was just frustrated. I was mad, I was upset, I was exhausted because uh, I was with my wife and trying to support her through all this and I just, I was also mad at myself because like, I'm supposed to be feeling different right now. Yes. And I felt bad. And so it took me um, a couple of days to kind of really get out of that funk and just looking into my son's eyes and taking care of him. Like, a as it went on, I, I would just, that's, I always like to say, I, I I fell in love with him by those those hours and days after of taking care of him and looking into his eyes as he was looking up at me and just you could tell the, the vulnerability he's le he's learning all these new things and I was like okay this is my son yeah but that moment that everybody talks about that love at first sight I knew as soon as I held it like I thought there was something wrong with me because I didn't have that uh huh 
And I think what's really important, especially for dads and men to um, to to talk about and think about, is like your feelings are your feelings, mm-hmm. and it's it's often said to us that well we shouldn't talk about feelings and we should stuff them down or just you know keep soldiering on and that just makes it harder in the long run because those yeah. feelings bubble up and boil over at a certain point and uh, what I've learned is you know I, I can't control what I feel but I can control how I react to it yes and so for me it's about acknowledging and understanding feelings and knowing that I'm not going to always love the feelings that I have <laughs> or the thoughts that I have but that I get to then choose what I'm going to do with that. Yes. And that for, with my son especially like uh it, it may have taken a while it may not have been exactly what I wanted uh right at the start but he's <laughs> he's an amazing kid and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him grow up and mm-hmm. um I know he might give me grief for uh, being mad at him when he was a newborn and had no idea what he was doing. Uh, but I know that <laughs> I know that he knows that um, I love him and, and would do anything for him. Well, and that's it too. Like the, it's not about it's not like you're mad at him. Yeah. But you're just mad. Yeah. Like it's just and I, there was a, a really good friend of mine is a doula mm-hmm. and her sister was giving birth. Mm-hmm successfully delivered a child mm-hmm. and was said you know as a mom even she, she was expecting this rush yeah. of all the oxytocin all yeah. these great things are going to happen and, and everyone else had left and so she had the the sense the, the, the felt the safety enough that she could turn to her sister and say i have a confession to make I'm supposed to be in love with this kid. I, I'm not feeling it. And my, <laughs> and my, and my, poor, my friend looks at her and she says, oh, you poor thing. Like, you have been awake for 38 hours. <laughs> You're not going to love anything right now. You can't. There's only so much capacity. Like, yeah. just, it's okay. You're not broken. Yeah. Neither is your kid. Like, you're allowed to be in your, like, you're going to get happy in the same pants you got mad in. Yeah. You know, give yourself some grace. Yeah. By the way, kudos to you for delivering a human being. <laughs> you crushed it. Right. Bump this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she said something similar where that love came, yeah. you know, after a few golden, delicious hours of sleep. Yeah. You know, a little bit of calm, a little bit of serenity, a little bit of support. And then that ability to really start connecting with, because it is a human, you're building a relationship. Yeah. You know, people can talk all day long about falling in love at first sight, but most of us mere mortals <laughs> fall in love over time. <laughs> yeah. And I think really for me too, is, is about like feeling that responsibility and seeing, seeing a newborn look up at you with those eyes and just like stare at you is like, that will melt anyone. Yes. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he melted me and I, I'm very grateful for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say, you know, because I know you've referenced this concept that, you know, dads are coming in and, you know, you're not supposed to talk about feelings. Yeah. And you're not, like, but what, once that starts to melt a little and mm-hmm. you start getting a glimpse of the challenges that dads really are feeling mm-hmm. and, and kind of reckoning with, what are some of the most common challenges that dads talk about? Mm. I think um, one of the, the main things that we talk about with boot camp is making sure that you don't get pushed out Mm. at those first moments Um, because as as crazy as it may sound to some people diaper changes are a great bonding time with (laughs) your little one Um, they can be disastrously messy um, really gross and every now and then especially if you have a little boy you may find a fountain (laughs) Um, dang it i was hoping that was an urban myth (laughs) that's real it is real oh man (laughs) um but they're a captive audience um, and they're not going anywhere. And, and until they start to roll, like that's when diaper changes get really fun. <laughs> um, when they're not roll, they're looking straight up at you. And just to have that, like those moments again, like for me, it's looking into my kids' eyes that just really, I, I tell my daughter, like your eyes are what melt me. They just, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when I look at them, I just melt. Um, those bonding moments are moments you don't get back. Yeah. And so... Make sure that you don't get pushed out because your your partner um, says, well, oh, you're not doing that right. Go do this. Go do this. Like, make sure that you're in there and you 
first of all, be willing to take advice because we don't always know everything. <laughs> and there might be a reason why our partner is a little concerned about the way we're doing things. But also at the same time, men and women often do things differently. Yes. And there's a lot of great things. Um, there's a lot of... It's good to have different ways of doing things and different perspectives. Mm -hmm. I've often heard, and we talk about this in boot camp, is women and moms tend to hold their child in, nurturing them, sheltering them, kind of protecting them. And dads and men will often hold their child facing out so they can see the world. Uh -huh. uh, now, it's a very generalization, it's a stereotype, but both are needed. They yeah. need to feel protected and comforted, and they also need to be given the chance to explore and see what's out there. Yes. And um, so for dads, I think it's really important that, one, you show that you're all in by being there. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of dads who will be present, but maybe not fully present. When you're fully present with your kids, you're down on their level, you're playing on the floor, you're asking them questions, you're learning about what they're excited about, mm -hmm. and you're doing the hard things. So like bath time and diapers and things, you're not afraid to get in and do those things and make sure that your kids know that it, you know, oh, I don't just go to mom when I need something. Dad's here mm -hmm. for me. Because uh, I think a lot of the prevailing culture is, is, is the mom is the, the primary parent and the dad is the breadwinner. That's been the very stereotypical and, and a lot mm -hmm. of portrayals of dads. And uh, that's not to say that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, every family, every um, parenting group and, and, and couple is different. Mm -hmm. But... For me, and, and for a lot of the dads I talk to, the more that um, we are engaged and the more that we spend time with our kids, the stronger we see those relationships grow. And one of the things that I often do with, with dads in my parenting classes, a uh, question that I heard uh, from the guy who helped train me in boot camp, um, Think about one to two words that describe your dad. Mm. And you get all sorts of things. Some, some people have really um, terrible father figure uh, or, or, you know, maybe their father wasn't there. Okay, so now think about what you would want your little one's first one or two words to be when they're asked that same question 20 years from now. Mm. What do you want them to say about you as a dad? and comparing that with their own thoughts because um, there's a lot of father wounds out yeah. there. And um, so asking people to think about that and think about those feelings associated with that and then figuring out what they want their little ones' words to be. Wow, that's powerful. So I've, I've thought about that a lot. I've, I've had my dad as a great dad, um, has always been a great Roma, I, I really um, have nothing to complain about with my childhood and fatherhood. Um, and so I try to do um, a lot of the things that he did. And then there's, as, as with everything, there's always things that we're going to do different from our parents mm -hmm. <laughs> as well. Um, so one of the things that I, I think about with that is um, with my dad, I, and a, being in a sports culture, there wasn't a lot of like showing feelings and showing emotion. I can count on one or two hands, maybe the times that I've cried in my life. So I've, mm -hmm. so that's something, especially in the last few years that I've really tried to work on experiencing and feeling my emotions and not being ashamed of them or trying to push them down. And so that's why I keep coming back to that. Cause for me, that was something like in sports, like, Oh, suck it up. Don't let them see you cry. Don't let like, mm -hmm. that was something I internalized. And so I was ashamed of, those feelings when they would come right. and especially in public and so um for me with my kids what i'm really trying to do is make sure that they understand that it's totally appropriate to feel how you feel mm -hmm. and to show that and acknowledge those feelings and you should never feel shame for your feelings mm -hmm. and then how do you respond to those feelings and how yeah. how you react and how you um, allow those feelings to impact others around you mm -hmm. is what really matters and what makes you, you know, the person you are. Are you going to be someone that lashes out mm -hmm. with your feelings and uses your feelings to hurt others? 
or are you going to acknowledge your feelings, use them to, you know, help you figure out what's going on, what exactly you're feeling and what, you know, what your next step is and use them in a way to help you grow and help yeah. you help others. Well, and it's so, it's such a perfect time to be having these conversations, especially when you look at the science of emotions. Mm -hmm. There's so much content flooding out of academia, yeah. whether it's like Lisa Feldman Barrett, who speaks, of, uh, what was it, how emotions are made. Yeah. And she creates a language around emotions that is a little bit more clinical, a little bit more removed and detached. Mm -hmm. And I think what it helps to do is create something that's a little less charged. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, emotions are just sensations yeah. that we then create a concept for. <laughs> it's not that complicated. It's yeah. not woo-woo. It's not even especially soft. It's just how our nervous system is operating. Right. And so that already kind of set, lays the groundwork for, oh, so there, you mean there's no such thing as a bad emotion. And then right. you hear from people like Todd Cashton, who wrote like the, the, the upside of your dark side. And mm -hmm. he really drives home, yeah, anger, sadness, they're great, mm -hmm. here's why. Mm -hmm. And then I think another one that's coming to mind is like Mark Brackett, he wrote a book called Permission to Feel. Mm -hmm. And one of the most poignant things he said in his presentation was, you know, how often are you asked, hey, how are you? <laughs> and of course, you know, you, he lets that settle in. And he's like, yeah. how often do you really believe the asker wants to know the answer? <laughs> And it's sort of like, no one's raising their hand. And it's like, uh-huh. Like, we're constantly asking, hey, how are you? Yeah. And yet none of us are really all that interested in knowing the answer. We, we've got a problem. Yeah, well, and, and how often do you answer truthfully? Like, yes. oh, yeah, fine, I'm good. Or Yeah, uh, but especially, like, I wonder, like, that could be a good social experiment. Actually, like, dive into somebody's question when they say, how are you? Well, you know, right now, uh, yes. <laughs> see how they respond. Yes. <laughs> Well, and I wonder, too, how much of it, you know, you talk about being present, and I, what, I moved here from a much more population-dense area, mm -hmm. so it means here in Salem, Oregon, it's not, this isn't a small town with a zero, like, a tiny fraction of people, right. but it's not as big as, say, New York City or San Francisco, right. and so I, I remember relaying to someone my experience of the difference uh, in terms of social dynamics, mm -hmm. and uh, I said, well, it's just really interesting. Uh, people ask, hey, how are you, and then there's a pregnant pause and there's someone leaning in as if wanting to know the answer and when I was relaying this the person who I was talking to said oh you mean that's not the same in California and I said it's not that it's not that they don't care they're not mean people <laughs> but if you have 50 to 100 interactions in a day yeah by number 97 you're just tired. You don't want to know. Like, you're asking the Trader Joe's guy or the Safeway clerk, but really you just want to go home yeah. and stare at a wall for a moment. Like, but you've, you've, you've been habituated. Yeah. So if you don't have quite as much going on, you have more bandwidth to really want to know. How are you? No, but really. <laughs> and I think that's a big poem, you know, in terms of parenting, the amount of bandwidth that's required to hold the space for that for this kiddo. Yeah. It's got to be. That is got to be one of the hardest parts about parenting, I would think. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that really helped me, uh, one of my, another of my favorite parenting books is The Whole Brain Child. Uh-huh. Um, and really actually understanding that at the ages that they're, they are, mm -hmm. the development, their emotional brain is so much more developed than their logical brain. And so when a child encounters an issue or something they think is unfair or they're upset, their emotional brain is firing, 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 firing. And their logical brain is, is just trying to catch up. So that's why they, you get these big tantrums and big responses because literally their brain is telling them that and their logical brain can't hear it yet. And so wow. when we meet their emotional responses with an emotional response of our own, whether that's yelling or getting upset um, or spanking, that type of thing, it only escalates the emotion. Uh -huh. What we're trying to do is reach the logical part of their brain saying, it's not okay to throw a shoe at your sister. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> but all they're thinking is, she took my toy, so I wanted to react. I was upset. But they couldn't figure out okay, instead of stopping and throwing a shoe or punching, 
they just react it because that's what their brain tells them to do. Yeah. Because that's where their development's at. And so what we as parents can do to really help them is, oh man, we, we meet them on their level and we say, you know what? That was really frustrating when she took your toy, wasn't it? Uh-huh. I bet that made you upset. It's okay to feel upset. It's okay to feel mad. But is it okay to throw a shoe at her head? No. And so we have to meet them on their emotional and, and validate their emotions before we can connect with their logical brain. Mm-hmm. And once then we've validated their emotions, then their emotional brain kind of calms down and then the logical brain can hear what we're trying to ask them. Yeah, I remember a, a trainer saying, talking about empathy. And yeah. she said, so many people think that empathy means you're taking on other people's emotions. And that's not empathy. Mm. That's codependence. That's a totally different class. <laughs> like, you, you have a whole other conversation you got to be having. Uh, and she said, no, but empathy is just the ability not to say, I've been exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're feeling. And hit blah, blah. But it can be more of a, here's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And here's the emotion I'm pretty sure, like, I think you're feeling. Yeah. I have felt that. Maybe for different reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. like, when the kid has a balloon and the balloon goes up in the air, you know, she said a lot of times parents want to say it's not a big deal or, you know, they want to fix it. We'll get you a new one. Yeah. And, you know, but first it's helpful to just come down to their level and say, man, you must feel so sad or you must be so, like, you must be devastated. It was your balloon. And just to hear that and go, "Uh uh-huh, is enough to like, thank you. Yes, you see me. And that was my balloon, dang it, and it's gone now. (laughs) And it's okay to mourn things. We we try to avoid the feelings of mourning and sadness, Mm -hmm. and we just can't because there's there's all these reasons to be sad and to have mourning. Like we just can't go through life always trying to ignore those sadness and mourning feelings. I I think now I'm thinking about the movie inside out, the (laughs) the sadness (laughs) and how it's important um, because some of our happiest moments can come after we've had the chance to mourn and be sad and someone come alongside us. Like we can have the most joy after someone's met us where we're at. Yes helped us process it and then help us move back into joy but there's still going to be that little piece of us that's still sad or still missing um and that's not to say like we don't want to be sad or mourning all the time because that's just a really hard way to live yeah some people really do have to live that way all the time um but it's important to be able to feel acknowledge and express those feelings to be heard and know that it's okay and i think for a lot of men um, and dads, it's really been ingrained that it's it's not okay to share those or to yeah. to even like feel them. And so we've often tried to push it down. And so for me, really fully realizing like um, I, I've I've struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, really fully realizing, you know what? I can't always control those, but what I can do is acknowledge them, know that they're there, and figure out how I can feel them and still (laughs) Mm -hmm. do what I need to do um, and react in a way that doesn't negatively impact others. What helped you, uh, I don't know if what the right word is, maybe transmute or Mm -hmm. um, transform your relationship to, because it sounds, that's what I'm hearing. It's not like, yeah. I made my anxiety and depression just go away, but it sounds like you were able to revolutionize your relationship to it so that it didn't have the keys to the car in the same way. Yeah, yeah. I I am, tend to be someone that's pretty hard on myself and mm. very, uh, very much a perfectionist. And I think that's a lot of what kind of caused my depression and anxiety and just feeling feelings and thoughts it's like where this where is this coming from I should be able to control this mm-hmm. and I think for me it, it it's been a multiple year <laughs> process and I still feel like I'm still working on it and, yeah. and dealing with it but um I sought help I, I mm-hmm. talked to a counselor uh, that was uh, recommended by my church um and that helped um and then but then even after that I still you know I tried to do exercise, but found that after 
playing sports all my life, I hated anything to do with running. And then <laughs> Oh, you're the one. Oh, you're the only one. Okay, cool. I was wondering when I'd meet you. Okay, good. Uh, so I, I just had trouble, like, because I've, I've heard that for depression and anxiety, especially exercise and moving um, is, is helpful with that. And so finally, like, starting to find it. So I found archery. It's pretty fun. Mm. Um, and uh, riding a bike. Um, can can help with that, and I also um, have been on an antidepressant medication for just over a year now, mm-hmm. um, and have an anti anxiety that I take only as needed, and haven't had to take it um, for a while. But um, it, it's a combination of all of those things, and time, and also just realizing that just because it happens in here uh-huh. doesn't mean it's happening out everywhere else and in fact the more time I spend in here the harder it is for me to actually be out present in the world and yeah. um, acknowledging like you know it's okay to to have some of those crazy thoughts and feelings that you don't like what matters is okay so what am I going to do about that mm-hmm. is that going to control me is that something I want to do something about or is that something like where did that come from I push it away and don't let it take me down and mm-hmm. keep me down yeah I mean it sounds like discernment like yeah. when is it appropriate to get up close to this thing yeah and explore it and when is it appropriate to go get some Ben and Jerry's and just like <laughs> you know what I don't have capacity right now I, numbing is what I need in this moment yeah and sort of in all the gradations in between like yeah. what what's a it's not what's good or what's bad but what's appropriate given what I have at my in my arsenal to right. cope with this right now right and and being willing to, to try different things and being I think also being the more that I have shared and the more I've like heard other dads like yeah deal, dealing with that that also really helps us like okay I'm not alone yes. I'm not crazy I'm I'm dealing with something and and also coming to the full realization like especially with mental health especially with depression there literally are chemical imbalances mm-hmm. in your body in your brain that you can't control mm-hmm. and what you can control like I said is is again your response and your reaction to mm-hmm. it and what you do but there are things that go on in your body and your brain that that you can't control and so it's also learning to give yourself a little more grace and that's something that I've really had to work on doing given again my pension for trying to be perfect (laughs) oh man I am I am a recovering perfectionaholic uh as well so you're you're in good company when you figure it out uh you call me okay Okay. we'll talk (laughs) doesn't matter anytime 3 a.m I'll pick up for you babe (laughs) done because how in, in what way like when you're because you're relaying this experience here mm-hmm. how does that uh support y- the work you do with dads like your ability to communicate about this how does that affect your relationships with them i i think what has made me successful in what i'm doing and, and um, why i've been able to get support from a lot of organizations for building these workshops and doing this is i really try to make it fun and relatable mm-hmm. um i I, I try to think I'm a, I'm a little funny, and, and often people will laugh at my jokes, so that gives me more uh, <laughs> ammunition. Oh, yeah, I actually am funny, so yeah. I should be telling them. Uh, <laughs> and I tell a lot of stories, so uh-huh. I really try to make it like, this is my experience. This is, it's not me saying, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. It's, this is my experience. Here's some things I'm struggling with, mm-hmm. and I know we can share some things with that. And then, you know, when people just want to hear more advice, I, I try to give it, but I also try to give it from a perspective of, like, I'm still working on this and learning as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's the approach that I, I really try to take. So I feel like it makes the classes, the workshops I do more approachable and less, like, because I think parents will come in with this feeling of, judge me because there's so much judgment in the parenting world if you know if if somebody says oh i i couldn't breastfeed for the whole time then on online then they can get just torn apart by this community Uh. of people who feel like you have to only do things one way and so i really try to make every group every workshop every session i do a judgment-free zone where man you're sharing so much with me I appreciate it and even if I don't agree or even if I you know there might be things like whoa wow that's really difficult like I try to just make them feel heard and understood and that like yeah we're all trying to figure this out we're all trying to 
figure out what we can do that's best for our kids and we make mistakes. Um, and for me, one of the things I've said for a long time, probably the most important thing that I can do for my kids is model that when I make a mistake, I know how to apologize. And I learned this early in my marriage that it's not, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> apology does not work. I've been there. I've tried it. It does not work. You had a hypothesis. You put, you put it, you created an experiment. Yep. Yep. Your hypothesis was disproven. <laughs> <laughs> the results are clear. Um, <laughs> um, but being willing to actually give an apology, even if you disagree, like, you know, that's not what my intention was, but that's what your impact was. And um, really understanding that our impact can really negatively impact people in, in, a, in a way that we didn't intend. And we can apologize, like, oh, I'm really sorry. How can... How can I fix it? And sometimes we can't fix it. So what can I do to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. So giving a full stop, I'm sorry, apology is something that I've learned. And especially being able to apologize and admit mistakes to kids because yes. they look up to us. And when they realize that we're not perfect, mm -hmm. then they don't have to internalize that they have to be perfect. Yes. Um, and if we want them to apologize, I feel like parenting can literally be summed up in one word and that's modeling. Like they just mm -hmm. see so much of what we do and we, we always, oh, they're not, they don't listen. They're not hearing me. That may be true, but they're watching. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do what we're saying, they're going to do what they're seeing us do. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they may go in the opposite way as well, but um, they see it and they're looking for, you know, are we actually doing what we say? Yep. We do? And uh, I think that's one of the most important things I can pass on is modeling that, you know what, I shouldn't have yelled at you there. I was just so frustrated because you did this, but I didn't need to yell at you. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And I will work hard not to yell at you again. Once you've done that, then you can talk about the behavior or the thing that's been the issue. Mm -hmm. But if you just come at them with always saying you're right or never being willing to make a mistake, they learn to fear you and mm -hmm. fear making a mistake rather than knowing that when they make a mistake, the most important thing is how do I fix that mistake or how do I mm -hmm. make that not make that same mistake again? So instead of just encouraging a culture where they just are always fearing making that mistake or getting in trouble, they understand that oh, they actually want to try to do better because they know that when they've made a mistake, there's consequences, but they also know that we're going to give them patience and grace and help them try to learn from those mistakes. Yeah. And you know, I, cause I, you know, I personally don't have kids and occasionally people will ask me, you know, like I have a private practice and the, the people will ask me about uh, the cohort I coach mm -hmm. and they'll say, what would you recommend for parents of this group? Mm. And my response is always like, well, first, I'm not a mom, so there's my caveat, mm -hmm. there's my disclaimer. Uh, I can't speak as a parent, but I can speak as a daughter, mm. you know, and I can tell you what was powerful for me when I in building a relationship with my parents mm -hmm. and I can tell you that my mom wasn't perfect mm -hmm. but I knew she loved me mm -hmm. and that's all I really needed to know and yeah. I internalized you know there's lots of imperfection all over the place yeah but at the end of the day here are the things that for me she did really well here are the things that I noticed she struggled with mm -hmm. and you know kids can survive anything so long as they know you love them yeah you know and and then I well, you know, I have friends who are parents and, you know, when they're sleep deprived and miserable. And I've even mentioned this before in this show where, you know, a friend said, I was such a, like, oh, my God, I'm a bad parent. I yelled at my kid. And it's like no parent that's a bad parent ever considers the possibility that they're a bad parent. Just by entertaining that possibility, you're a good parent. So, no. <laughs> so... And when she said she yelled, I said, well, was your kid being a jerk? <laughs> and she said, yeah. I said, well, sounds like your kid needed to know he was being a jerk. <laughs> Bet he knows now. <laughs> I mean, that, obviously that doesn't give a, you know, a, a right. pass at every parent to yes. always be yelling. But to give them some grace where it's like, you're a human first. Yeah. You're a, a parent second. Yeah. Well, and again, sharing, showing them like, yeah, I make mistakes too. And like. Yeah. 
we still can't throw the shoe at our sister. <laughs> yes. But there's something I can do to better handle it. We can work on this together. Mm -hmm. And framing it that way, too, can be really helpful because um, showing them that, you know, they're not in this alone. You're not just putting all this pressure. You've got to do this right next time or else. It's let's work on this together. Let's figure out some solutions to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. So. Beautifully said. <laughs> so if someone wanted to connect with you or they're just like, I want more resources, how do I get a hold of Michael Finley? <laughs> um, what would be a, a means by which they could do that that's not clouding up your text message? You know, I mean, yeah, so, you know, maybe not calling you at three in the morning, for example, <laughs> but what's the best way to reach you? Um, well, I, I, my blog, um, this is fatherhood.blog, is um, where... Uh, I post a lot of my updates and um, share a, a lot about my family and um, share about mental health and, and um, with uh, f for those that have experienced miscarriage, uh, my wife and I have as well. We have a lot of uh, stories and uh, things that are there about our experience that others have found really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, if, if you're interested in talking with me about the classes or workshops or more about my work, um, this is fatherhoodllc at gmail.com is the best way to do that. And I'm always happy to um, talk with parents. I'm starting to offer individual sessions of my Becoming a Super Dad, so you could um, just have a one-on-one -on -one session with me and we can talk about you know, what you're struggling with or what you wanted to talk about and um, have a more focused 45 minute session um, where we can just focus on how we can support each other as dads and as parents uh, in, in working with our kids. Um, mm. So those are probably the, the best ways to reach me and to know what's uh, kind of going on and I always try to share about lots of things that are going on in our community um, mm. as well and so I, I like to share about uh, parenting classes that are coming up, other people that are doing great, amazing things um, as well. Um, and so uh, the, the blog is probably the best place to start. And then if you have any like specific requests or questions, I'd be happy to answer them at the email. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and for coming because this is really <laughs> phenomenal work that you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I, I, it may not be clear, but I really love talking about this and talking about Oh, it's clear in the best way. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I really appreciate the opportunity and the chance to be here. So, thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs>